evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Corinne Boyer. Corinne is a folk herbalist, teacher, and writer with a passion for traditions surrounding plants and folk magic. She's been studying and working with plants since 1998. Corinne has taught community herb classes since 2005 and teaches weekly classes out of her home with a focus on wild crafting, medicine making, plant lore, folk medicine, and traditional magic. She has been published in various journals with articles about plant lore and history. Corinne created a free quarterly herbal newsletter called The Gathering Basket, which was distributed to her local community from 2012 to 2017. She's got three books out. She lives up in the Pacific Northwest and where it's nice and wet, right? Welcome to the show, Corinne. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, Corinne. I think it's worth pointing out that you have, is it a master's in biology? No, um, bachelor's of science. Yeah, I think that's worth pointing out because it it actually roots your um, roots, haha, <laughs> your work <laughs> grounds it down into into real scientific inquiry and the know how of um, of these things. So I think I that's did awesome. have it in my first take at the bio, but I, I think I swiped this off your publisher. So it, it was better work. Oh no worries. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it feels like it was a long time ago. <laughs> That's one of the things that we talk about here too, is like um, the different lives we live within this one alone, Mm -hmm. how separate they can all seem. It's where they're threaded together, but the you of 20 years ago is not the you now. And um, that's just always an interesting tale, but I like that you don't always throw that around by the way. And, um, but it's really, it's really great that you have that backing you up. So I just wanted to acknowledge it. Oh, thank you. So let's, let's get into it. Tell us about young little Corinne. Did I say that right again? I said it wrong. I said it right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, little Corinne in the world, what inspired you? Your earliest memories that inspired you or um that stick out that just kind of pop out when you think back well um being from michigan i was really lucky to be pretty close to nature and my family we moved around quite a bit but we always had my my grandmother's farm is a huge thing when you ask what inspires you know me from an early age so uh, we were blessed enough to have a family farm from, I think, 1850 that had been in our family until 14 years ago it was sold. Uh, but it was something about that place. First of all, it was like the safest place in the world. It was down to nine acres by the time I was going there. But of course, originally was 160. And it had the big old five-bedroom farmhouse and the um, field stone foundation with the dirt floors and the cellar doors. And uh, these that sounds lots. wonderful. Yeah, it was incredible. And a huge three-story barn that had no animals in it. And it was abandoned at that point. The barn, you know, they weren't farming anymore. They had sold off all the land. But my grandma and her sister, so my great aunt, they lived there in two like small little downstairs apartments. But the cool thing is they left the upstairs completely untouched. So it was packed full of antiques and pictures and weird things. So I used to, you know, and hand-painted wallpaper. So I go up there and just pile through these boxes, look at diaries and journals and 
um, you know, old keys and pipes. And I just, it really influenced me in terms of my love of old things, which I've always had. I feel like even when I was a little girl, I was always loved to go to the antique stores and just loved old things and collect. I was always a collector of sorts. So, but that also that experience being, uh, being there and being able to play alone and just go off into the forest and have like these strange otherworldly experiences where I feel like it's almost, you know, nine acres, if you understand uh, acreage, it's not a ton, but it's enough to get kind of lost. But the, for some reason, the way of that land throughout the seasons, I'd go there every two or three months. My, my mom and my brother and I would go visit my grandma every two or three months sometimes more, sometimes less, depending, but usually pretty regularly. And the lay of that land, it would just, it would get disorienting. I could never, sometimes I would find myself in a place and I could never get back to that place later. And so there's just some really profound experiences I had. And actually one just popped in my mind and I'll share real quick and move on from that. But it, it, it had a huge impact on me and I didn't even think about it until later in terms of the symbolism. But I remember one time, usually my brother and I, you know, played together a lot. He was 18 months younger than me, but, you know, he was off doing something and I was playing by myself in front of grandma's house. No one was around and I caught a frog and I was maybe 10 years old and I decided, and I have no idea why, but I decided to bury it alive. I wanted to bury it. And I like went through this solemn ritual of the burial of this frog in these stones. And I actually had a funeral for it and picked flowers for it. I did this whole thing. And cried like it was so. It was so interesting. And then two weeks later, we came back, and I wanted the bones. So I looked for the bones, and I couldn't find them. But that um, I I thought about that from time to time, and not till like way way later thought about the symbolism of, symbolism of that, which is really interesting. So that's like a pretty early memory that that is kind of stands out from the rest, like those crystal clear dreams do, as you guys know. So. I, I love that. I um, I had I had an early experience like that with a bird that I did this whole elaborate mm. thing. So for my brother and his friends came in and that's you know like destroyed oh. the whole thing. I went. I was so upset by it. It's such a bummer. <laughs> it was he was a terror. Uh, um, what part of Michigan are you from? Kind of all over, but I spent the most time in um, well that particular house, your granny's. Oh, Greenville. So that's about 45 minutes outside of Grand Rapids. And that's where I, I spent a lot of time in the Holland, Grand Rapids area. So, but I also lived up in Traverse City for years and in parts of Detroit. Both my parents are from the Detroit area. And so my grandparents were over there on my dad, dad's side in, tiny, in a tiny town called Holly. Yeah. And so, yeah, Greenville's outside of, uh, yeah, about 45 minutes outside of Grand Rapids, which Grand Rapids is big. Yes, it so, is. Mm hmm. I will always love Michigan. I it, not just yeah. because I married a man from Michigan at one point, and it, I didn't see Michigan until actually I married him. Like oh, yeah. I didn't get to really experience how witchy the wood is there. It is there is something special going on, especially in Absolutely. the UP. Oh yeah, the UP is not even Michigan. The UP is something incredible. Else. That's where he was from, and oh, so my God. he's a Uper. We <laughs> yeah, no, that's a whole nother thing. The UP used to scare the shit out of me. I've only been up there a few times. It's not Michigan. It should be called something else. It's not the same. It is they like an own, it's an aisle. Yeah. They have their own accents even. Oh, they absolutely. Do. I mean, they, they held on to, 
Well, they held on to the culture longer, the immigrants yeah. that went there. And I mean, they held on to the culture much longer than some of the other parts. Makes sense. And it's so Northern. It's yes. so cold and snowy. There's so much more, um, I mean, just hardship wise, you know? So there's, there's a lot. And there's still a lot of folklore up there. Yes. There's a really cool book called Bloodstoppers and Bearwalkers. It's all about the Upper Peninsula folklore. Yes, I'm familiar with it. Oh yeah, cool. it's you know that was that's one place in the world I would move to, except for I would not have respect for my ex husband's family because those families are also close knit. It's oh um, yeah, but I, it it is it holds such a magical place, and I have been truly afraid in the wood up there. Like oh in, yes, in, I think you talked about this with Gordon about some natural places you you should respect the. I don't know if it was you. Specific spirits, like you're not wanted in some areas. Oh, yeah. No, that that was. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that are hostile and adversarial. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt that in the UP. Okay. Um, what, what about cryptids? What's that? What about cryptids? Any, you know, Mothman, Dogman, Wolfman, Bigfoot? The Hodunk up there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what if there's any local lore cryptids up there other than Bigfoot. Well, not not really where I was. You know, it's interesting. I've because I was kind of central western more mostly. I mean, the Traverse City are getting up north for sure, and I did love up north for some years when I was young, but don't remember it as well. So I've thought about this. I've looked into some of the the folklore um, down down south, and it's it's you know there was a lot of ghost stories growing up. We had a ton of ghost stories, and like. Uh, a lot of spooky haunted places, but not a lot. I mean, out here where I'm at in Washington, there's a ton of Bigfoot lore. Yes, but not. I didn't. I don't remember much from Michigan, but I can say we uh, being we were. Uh, I guess from fourth grade till I was 18, we were like literally one mile from Lake Michigan, really close. And the land um, there in general, it is such a strange place. I think all of Michigan is strange being a you know surrounded. By water on three sides, but the it, the native presence is very strong in a, in a very different way than it is out here because it's strong here too uh, in a different way. But it's um, I don't know. There's a there is a sense of other out there that is helpable, and I feel blessed to have been touched by that certainly. And it's always in my heart. You know, I don't go back home very often, but it's always with me. Yeah, it's 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 unique. Is definitely I've been all over and it is unique. Is um, did you it, as far as like pop culture? Because I, I know you had I know you had the close connect, connection with nature and of course knowing the areas and stuff. What about pop culture? Um, anything stick out like uh, cartoons or movies from when you were really young or I don't know even clothing. Anything that kind of sticks hmm. out when you think to your young self. Well, a couple things. Well, I, I I was really into singing and I still am. I thought I was going to be a singer from the age of three until I was 15. My dad was a recording producer and engineer. And so I had this, I love to sing. So certainly I was into pop music, you know, Madonna and like the, especially female vocalists, a lot of things like that. So I was very, I was very musical. I guess with singing, it's my one, I feel like all of us have a birth given gift. And it was my one gift that, that I didn't have to work really hard for everything else I had to work very hard for, but singing came very natural to me. So I feel like most of us, I think all of us have something like that, but, um, everything else has been, uh, 
a lot more challenging, but singing, yeah, it was always just there. So that, I feel like I was certainly pop culture stuff, but in terms of influences that have lasted, you know, actually one of the, my son would tease me so badly for this. My son's 15 and he, I, I made him watch this movie when he was 10 and he was like, mom. So do you, do you guys remember Watcher in the Woods? I remember it. I never saw it. Oh, it's, so it's a Disney movie. You remember there was a time in the 80s. I don't know if it's, if it's Disney, I may have seen it. Yeah, and you remember there was a time where um, Disney went through a creepy phase. I mean, something wicked this way comes, for example. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, mm -hmm. You know, like there's some creepy stuff. But anyway, Watch in the Woods, it was one of Betty Davis's. I do remember it. Oh, I needed the Betty Davis yes. reference. Yes, and it's it's totally like, be great in terms of budget and it's it, like one of our last films right but it, and it wasn't a high budget film but it is it scared me so intensely and it really had an effect on me and honestly to this day it still scares me which so my son would laugh at me and we watched it i like bought the dvd or whatever when he was 10 and we watched it and he was like mom are you kidding me this is so dumb and i'm like oh my god this is like such a big deal but it's it's very it has a lot to do with the unseen and the invisible and like, you know, other worlds and, uh, you know, some haunting and old ruins in the forest and yes. just certain, certain archetypal uh, symbols that have been really important to me. So I do think that that one was huge in terms of influence, you know, when I saw it. <laughs> I have a big love for that type, the bee horror in that yeah. period. And um, for one thing, they make you work your imagination they don't give Absolutely. it to you right it's a whole different scene that's why people today aren't used to it is everything's given to them and it's so easy right. with our technology too yeah so we had to work Indeed. you know we were we were our imagination was filling in these images coming at us and um, oh, like yeah. original haunting the hill house there was you never saw any monster you never saw anything it was all implied mm. Yeah. I mean, that's what made that so terrifying. And that Bette Davis film, yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. So I've written it down. I'm going to revisit that. I love it Check so much. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Did you, how were you as a, um, so back to young, young you, what was your dream life back, if you can recall, back then? So I do remember a few really prominent dreams. Of course, they were nightmares. But one of my earliest dreams that I have had, I was five and I very distinctly remember um, the Wicked Witch of the West chasing me through this maze and it was terrifying, but I'll never forget it. So Wizard of Oz is one of my, is another favorite, you know. Oh yeah, that's of course. Yeah. Every so, year I look forward to that because they'd show it yearly. Yeah, it's a classic. So that, that dream sticks out and there, there are a few, there was another one about my family's farm being kind of, uh, the family being like locked inside. There was like a barricade. There was like a war going on from a long time ago that I remember that one really well. But I don't feel like I really got, you know, into dreams till I was a teenager. Do you do you remember the details of the Wicked Witch one? I can see it in my mind. I can see it was like a it was like a labyrinth and I was I was walking to school in the fog. I was, you know, in kindergarten or whatever. And all of a sudden it turned into this labyrinth and it was all black. And I had to get through this lab labyrinth and I knew she was chasing me and I could see her like through the wall, like somehow knew where she was and that she was after me. That's all I remember, but it was very, very vivid. 
That's intense. St. Margaret yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Which St. Margaret Hamilton? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that she was, she's the icon, especially, yeah. of, you know, anything yes. pre, like 1990 before. Indeed. Yeah, she is. Um, and that's that's also very pop culture. I like your influences here. Your young influences are all kind of spooky, spooky and witchy. Yeah, I was always fascinated by those particular characters. And I think I said this in maybe the, maybe not Rune Soup, but maybe down at the crossroads where I was lucky enough to have a great uncle who lived at my grandma's farm with my great aunt. And he would read us fairy tales and stories when we'd go visit because he was English. Mm -hmm. So he... I had a huge love of Hansel and Gretel in particular and Baba Yaga because of the witch figures. Yes. And so um, I remember, and Rapunzel and Snow White, those were, and it, you know, the Disney movies that went with them. I loved, I loved the fairy tales um, and whatever kind of, whatever media went with them. So those were huge influences too, always. Like I was actually talking about this recently in a class. We were talking about, I had people, it was like question of the night or something. It was an evening class. And I had some people describe their dream apothecary. You know, like what's your, what is like, when you think about the apothecary, what is that? What does that mean? Describe what that is. And so I kind of let people go off on this tangent. And it was really cool to think about after that conversation, I was really like, gosh, what influenced me in terms of my dream apothecary and my like, the, you know, the witch's cupboard full of, you know, dried toads and crow feathers and, you know, mandrake root or whatever, you know, the classic archetypal. Oh yeah. You know, so I had to, I don't know. And I was digging around for that and trying to figure that out. And some of their, it was fun to hear their reference points for that. And they weren't the same. Uh, I didn't, you know, a lot of that. Yeah. It wasn't the same for me, but it was interesting. Did you, um, this is just funny. I remember this from the Midwest, but I don't know if it was, National or not, um, Swingali in the 80s. Swinguli. Swinguli. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so I know he was broadcasting around the Chicago area. His name's Rich. Hmm. I met him once. I forget what his name is. But... It, yeah, he would do like Saturday Night Horror, old, old horror. Creature yeah. Features. Remember Creature Features on WGN, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not really. Mm. Oh, I loved all that. Um, okay, so in this, so you mentioned something interesting though already about the dreams. So you had a lot of nightmares as a very young person. Well, the, you know, those are the ones I remember now. I've, I don't, it, you know, in terms of what sticks out, certainly yeah. those are easier yeah. to recall. Did you at that point when you were still young? When we're talking early here. Um, were, did you experience anything that went along with those kinds of experiences like sleep paralysis? Never had that. Never did sleepwalking either. And um, what about, so some people speak of this, some people add this into the paralysis experience. Some people don't. It's, um, it's that pre, it's this pre, say, I can't remember the technical term they have for it now, but it's where you're, you're basically, your energetic field is get shrinking and getting bigger or spinning and you you feel like you you might drop low or go high it's like you're basically in your body but at the same time your your energy is is expanding and contracting 
Not that I can recall. And and another interesting thing on that note, in terms of kind of some of these, I mean, I, I don't want to interrupt you. So go ahead and continue. Oh, no, no, no. That, I would, that was my question with the example. Yeah, no, not that I can recall. And it's interesting too, because I haven't had, I've only had a few dreams of flying. You know how a lot of people have a lot of flying dreams? I don't. Very mm-hmm. few, like literally two my whole life. When we tell us about them, how, like in the particulars before, if, if you have them um, at hand, if you recall details, but how were you flying? Were you in a bubble? Were your hands out like Superman? Yeah. Were... Like super, super person. Yeah. Super oh. person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had that sense. You know, I've never had that. I'm always floating. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. really? Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I never some... considered floating as a possibility. That's a good idea. It's and it all started with like having like the inner tubes you play in water with the little children's ones, yeah, um, around my waist. And that's the very first time as I was with a bunch of people, I'm like, look, I can do this. And I was like fl- bobbling around, and that turned into eventually wow. kind of a Galinda experience. Oh, that's super cool. <laughs> around in my bubble. <laughs> Love I it. have a, a little synchro for you here. Um, Ooh, apparently Lifetime remade Watcher in the Woods last year as a TV <gasps> movie. What? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe, oh, yes. Oh, God. Got well, to check that's, that out. that's, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, there like, you go. I guarantee it's not going to be as good, but. Might be better. No, it, it won't be. Actually, oh, and I, oh, go ahead. No, carry on. I was just going to say on that note, if you. Don't ever watch any of the alternative endings. I'm just going to say that. There's two other alternative endings, like when you get the DVD. Don't do it. Don't do it. The curiosity may be strong. Just abstain. Trust <laughs> okay. Me. They're so horrible. They ruin the entire thing, and then you're just like, this, like, this, like, there's a missing part of my soul now. Don't do it. So no, anyway. Okay. Yeah, Noted. this one's got um, Angelica Houston. Ooh, that's <laughs> a draw for me. I love Angelica. Well, we'll see. Probably that's- a totally different. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, out, Angelica's quality. Came oh, for on, sure. Came out on DVD on 9-11, 2018. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. I know. <laughs> I never would have looked for that or found it. <laughs> oh, man. That is interesting. Um, okay. So moving. Oh, and then. Okay. So early background stuff. Were you brought up around religion at all? Yeah, I was. I my my actual like immediate parents my parents were divorced and i was really close to both of them i didn't see my dad as much but neither one of them were particularly religious both of their families extremely so but my mother married a man who was christian reformed the least exciting of all of it you could ever imagine so we were forced to go to church from about the age of five to 14. Uh, so that was not very fun yeah. You know, I say, I always say this, like, I didn't get any of that, but I, as I got older, I, I really enjoy the rituals that Catholics do and, and some of those yeah. more pagan. I wish I would have had that experience. For, yeah. for certain, a lot of my close friends were brought up Catholic and there's a lot of value there, I think. Yeah. Oh, but, there's just beauty alone. Just the beauty alone. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, the like, Christian reformed is really quite miserable. Um, yeah. Like, is there no singing or anything? Oh no, there's it's no there's the uh, there's singing and there's some pretty stained glass, but no, just the the lack of um, some of the sacred that would have been there in the older times is gone. And 
Yeah. You know, it, actually, I have a memory of being in seventh grade and my best friend, she was like a goody two shoes. She, she would laugh if I said this, we're still friends. And I was always the one, the troublemaker who wanted to have a mystery or mm-hmm. find buried treasure, find some <laughs> dead body or whatever. So that was me. And so we stole away from the youth group on my badgering and we had our own ritual in the cathedral with, with holy water and candles at night. <laughs> oh my God. You're yeah. awesome. It was crazy. You. We got we got caught and totally got in trouble. I just wanted to experience it without the congregation and the pastor, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love this. What rising sign are you? Uh Aries. Okay. That well that's making sense to me there. What's your do you we show your son? Yeah, Capricorn. Yeah, the um the rising to me is the most important, I think. It's how we view you. Um okay, so let's move forward a little. So that's a good a good backdrop. So as you get older, what was your experience coming into um with you, I wanna go like coming into more of the awareness of dreaming when did you start realizing and this could be even last year of course I know it's not but when did you start realizing that realizing that dreams are possibly something else there's something else going on there definitely in my teenage years I remember you know I was exposed to some alternative new agey stuff and 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 I mean yeah most of it was kind of just what was available pretty Pretty young, like seventh, eighth grade. I got into astrology and tarot, which I'm not saying that's new agey, but I thankfully I got into that um, and and started realizing, you know, I think I started keeping a dream journal right around probably 14 and realized how important that was for recall. And so definitely teenage years started realizing, oh yeah, this is this is really important, and I want to. I knew I wanted to incorporate it as a practice. And ever since then, I, I have, you know, I've really, it's a huge part of my life, actually. What was your um, first tarot deck? Um, Hanson Roberts. Interesting. <laughs> I still have it. I was gifted it from my uncle in seventh grade. You know, they say that, that the magical gifts are more magical when they're gifts. The Absolutely. magical tools. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's old folk stuff. And so what was your first, the first book that was, um, I remember these days too. So I also remember what was on the shelf. So there was like Scott Cunningham when no one else was really around. And, um, and, and thankfully, you know, Scott put out some great work when nothing else was available. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So what was your first couple witchy books you got that maybe in herbalism or witchcraft or all that? Well, interestingly, you know, I remember being a, I remember being a teenager and going to, there was a couple new age shops. One was in Grand Rapids and one was in Saugatuck, um, which was both, they're both near Holland where I lived. And so there were, there weren't, there weren't, I got a, I, I, yeah, I think I had earth, air, fire, water or whatever. And yes. And I don't, I didn't resonate a ton. I did some stuff, you know, cause you try stuff out. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't do a ton with that. I, I, I was pretty into ghost stories. So there were different, you know, scholastic books on ghosts and different ghost stories. And I really liked those. Um, it's interesting a lot. 
actually going back a little farther, there was, I mean, it sounds silly, but there was a time frame where I was really obsessed with like, oh, my, my end. <laughs> there was a book called Wait Till Helen Comes, and this was earlier in like fourth grade that had a huge impact on me about a little girl ghost and haunting. And then there was also a movie called Mystery Mansion. I don't know if you watched that. That's like D grade. <laughs> but, I totally remember that. Uh-huh. So like the ghost thing, I feel like that was more of an influence for me. And then the the kind of witchy stuff, I really, one I, one experience that happened that was super strange. I, I, my mom had, you know, in our house, we had like the bookshelf, big bookshelf on the, whatever, the living room wall. And I'd looked at a million times. I knew all the books there. And I was standing there and I was probably 15. And I noticed this little book and it was, it was Raymond Buckland's uh, Gypsy Love Magic. And I was like, what? I was like, what is this doing here? My mom, you know, my mom's not into that at all. And she wasn't religious, but she wasn't into that. And I, so I, I like, I felt like it was this gift for me that the universe had popped there and I, I took it. And so I, I used that for a while for sure. Uh, And years later, like I never talked to her about it or anything. And maybe 15 years later, I asked her about it because I remembered and she said, no, I never, I don't know what you're talking about. She didn't know. She didn't put it there. How did that get there? <laughs> I'll never oh, know. wow. Providence. So, yeah. yeah that cool. But one of the, from my early 20s, when I, I, I wasn't super impressed with what I was finding and I was getting into books on herbalism, you know, definitely by my late teens and, and alternative body care and, you know, making body care products, this and that. But I really love Valerie Worth's books, both of them still. They're yes. incredible. They're incredible. So a Crohn's book of words, I was exposed to that when I was 21. Um, and a Crohn's book of wisdom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very incredible. I mean, that's some. I just gave those away, by the way. I gave a book of a, hun- a box of a hundred books from the eighties that I had. Wow. That was a yeah. part of it, huh? Yeah. Yes. That was in there. Um, Earth magic. That was the, f- oh, yeah. um, that all those, uh, all the Scott Cunningham stuff and the Raymond Buckland. I have so many books, including yours, you know, that are now trump that. But those those two sure. books from Valley Worth were my favorites because they're so folky. They are. They are. You know, they're they're so she channeled something. I mean, there's no doubt. I I just love the poet. She was a poet also. Yeah. So she and I love that there was like an 18 year gap between the books when she wrote them. It, they were just really special. So I feel like those were probably my favorites if you're thinking about you still have them oh yeah you you know it's funny well the reason why and i only just did it recently it was like two years ago i got through this purging phase a drug i've had like a hundred moves i have an estate of antiques that i travel with like a gypsy and i'm like i have got to lighten the load (laughs) and the books were the easiest thing to let go of outside of antiques you know yeah yeah, that's funny. I love I love all these influences. Um, yeah. Did so in that period. I love Holland. I I dated a guy from Holland. Really? Yeah, Tom mm-hmm. Noonan. Mm. He was, and it was in. I mean, yeah, it was. He worked at the bread store there. I think. Oh. Um, I can't remember. It was so long ago. It was late eighties. Um. <clears throat> anyway, so he lives up here by us, by the way, in Bellingham. Oh wow. Yeah, there's a couple um, Holland people up here that I know. Really? Yes, wow. from Holland. That's- I mean, it's amazing because it's such a little, you know, it's just, you know, it's I don't know. It seems strange, but yeah. 
Um, okay, so in this period when you're 14, you were doing the dream journal. Was this a natural thing you decided to do was start recording your dreams? What prompted that? You know, I, I don't remember. I remember, I think my uncle, you know, and he's, he's been a, like a lifetime. He's been interested in spirituality, alternative spirituality for his whole life. He's been a meditator and, um, you know, he got me into the tarot cards. Uh, but I think he suggested it. Honestly, that's what I remember vaguely. I don't, and I just thought it was a good idea. Uh, to, and it really made a difference in so remembering. When, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. So when you started journaling, how did it change your experience of dreaming? You know, I remember at first doing the thing where you literally write down everything because. Oh my goodness. You know, right. No way do I do that anymore. But I used to, you know, to, it's like you're building that muscle, right? So it really helped the recall and it helped me take the time that, uh, you know, that I wouldn't have taken if I wasn't doing that practice as hard as it is. It's really hard to actually do that. You know, when you're waking up in the morning, you got to take 10 or 15 extra minutes, sometimes 20 and sit there and kind of do it before it slips away. You know, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, I was blessed enough. She's a huge heroine of mine, but I was blessed enough to do a five-day training with her four years ago, and she talked about dreams. I don't know if you've read her work, Women Who Run With The Wolves. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm familiar yeah. with I yeah. have that, but that's one of the books that made the, the box. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's one yeah. of the books that, that you gave yeah, away? away? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, heavens. I know. Yeah, no, that's, it's a big book. But yeah, she, anyway, she calls it pulling a dream back by tail, you know, and that makes a lot of sense where you're like, so I feel like the right, the recording of dreams, it opens up another channel that you can't get from just thought alone because it, it just, all of a sudden there's more available that you're not going to remember unless you're doing this other thing with this other part of your brain. So it really helped with the recall. When you're, um, so, okay, in, in this too, in this, at this, this doesn't have to relate to any time period unless there were, there have been changes. So in the landscape of dreaming for you in the architecture of dreaming, how do you experience it? And I, you know, I'm looking for all the tactile stuff too: smell, scent, taste, um, familiar buildings, familiar places, all that color. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel what helps me make sense of uh, my dream world is I, I assign my dreams to kind of a spectrum. Okay. So it's like a loose spectrum, but it's a spectrum nonetheless. So there's, there's different qualities of different kinds of dreams because they're not all the same. Right. So what I, the, what helps me first, I'll kind of lay out the parameters of how I think about them and then, and then it'll make more, I think it'll answer your question. I hope so. The the first part of the spectrum is like kind of the brain backwash dreams, like literally, uh, you know, like rat dreams as they're called. So dreams that don't have a lot of meaning, that there's a muddiness, there's a muddy quality to them. They're, they don't necessarily have a start or an end and they're seemingly mundane. So I feel like those dreams often happen in the earliest part of the night where you almost can't really recall them. I wake up numerous times in the night for various reasons. And so that helps with dream recall, as you guys know. So the, the early cycles of the night, it almost just seems like this extremely elusive process. Once in a while, I have something tangible from that time period, which I take to be pretty significant if I do. But generally speaking, I don't. So it's like those rat dreams or, or even the mundane dreams where you're just like, yeah, you're, you're, you're like at work, basically. You're doing things that 
you know, don't seem to mean much. And then we kind of go along the spectrum some more. And then we start to get dreams with a storyline that have more cohesion, that have um, a greater significance. And so the, these dreams kind of like the mid, mid grade, I'll call them mid grade dreams. I mean, not to rate things, but you know, that's how we make sense of things. At least it helps me. So the, the mid grade dreams, these are like, and I, and, and you know, these I'll have usually a couple times a week, sometimes three, four times a week, where it's, it's almost like uh, insight into my life that these kind of dreams will show me things that I don't necessarily want to see. So these kind of dreams will give me some sort of insight. For example, you know, being angry at somebody when I'm not dealing with it in my real life, it'll be like the dream will show me like I'm beating this person up, you know, or whatever. Uh, or like, you know, if I want to, if I feel like I'm getting taken advantage of by somebody, I'll have a dream that makes it very clear how I actually feel. And I'm not, I'm not consciously expressing that to myself. Cause maybe I think I shouldn't feel that way in real life. I'm just giving you an example. So these kind of mid-grade dreams, they're like, uh, they're instructive and they're helpful and they're illuminating. They're not necessarily prophetic though, or, um, what I call I don't have a better word for it, but like medicine dream, which I'll get to. It's like at the farthest end of the spectrum. So anyway, these kind of mid-grade dreams, they're very, there's a storyline. You know, it's, I, I have dreams about a lot of people, especially students and family and friends, a ton, like more than I would like to, but I do. I have a lot of, um, a lot of people dreams. So then, then from there, then it's like significant, um, kind of towards the other end of the spectrum is like significant what I call kind of medicine dreams or I mean, spirit dreams. It sounds really new agey. I don't have a better term to fit, but those are the dreams where you're getting direct transmissions and it's way outside of the mundane. There's the quality to those dreams is like crystal clear. The feelings in those dreams are so much more enhanced. And there's, there's something else that's happening there. That's really profound. Those are like maybe once a month. And then there's like the big, like once or twice a year, maybe twice a year, like holy shit, life-changing dream. And those are really rare, but those are like unforgettable and they're in their like start to finish in their quality in the, in the archetypal symbolism and all that they mean. So anyway, that's kind of how I think of them on a spectrum. And I feel like the, the more they leave the mundane realm, the more, enhanced and like clear that they get in some level and the more emotional you know it, one thing i've been thinking about a lot lately is how dreams come with their own memories there's a whole nother set of memories in your dreams that's why in some ways for me i am amazed how hard some things are to articulate like maybe it's an object in a dream or a place or a person or, or an interaction right and, and like articulating it is it's amazing how complex it is because there's like all these other memories and feelings that aren't even part of our conscious life. Anyway, that's a long answer, but I hope that answers that, your question. A bit. That's a common um, report back from people who've done DMT or ayahuasca. Really? Yeah, sure. I've they, never done either. They can't express what they experienced because it had that emotional component. That totally makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's also. Um, and for me, there is, there, there are, there's familiar architecture and there is a whole different set of, um, I like how you call it, I put, I wrote it down as memory within dreams, but when I get into certain places where I know like, this is my place, even though it's changed or shifted, 
Yeah. It comes with this whole background. Like when I wake up here and I have this whole background here, I'm mm-hmm. like at this cottage and I'm attached to these things and I'm doing this. It comes with this whole set of, um, of stuff. And so within the dream, I find myself in, in these surroundings too, although they can shift. You know, I wake up here and I, I, I do expect like here, like in waking life, I wake up and I, there's this expectation that my cottage is going to look the same, that my same old ducks are going to be the same old ducks and, and all that, like the stability factor, I guess. Um, so within the dream, it's things can shift and yet it's the same feeling. So it doesn't matter that it's a different looking house. It's the same. Yeah. Is, um, is, is that, is that also part of what you're talking about with these, the memories within them? Yeah. I mean, in some ways, well, certainly, you know, if we dream about, you know, how we've all had the experience of dreaming about a person that looks completely different, feels different, but is a, a, another person that we know very close, you know, like they didn't yes. look like so-and-so, but they were, or yeah, like the house that doesn't look like our house, but it was yeah. and like, there's that, but then there's like, there's certain dreamscapes that almost have uh, a life happening on their own where like, I don't know um, how to describe it, but it's, it's like, there's a whole nother lifetime and life story that you're touching into that, that can't be known. I just had this dream pop back into my head of like, uh, this was years ago. I didn't, it's funny. I was just going over some of my dream journals before we talked, but this wasn't even in there, but it was somewhere out East you know, way out east, which I've never been east. I've never been to like Massachusetts or Pennsylvania. I've always wanted to go, but it was out there and it was like a long time ago. It was like 150, 200 years ago or whatever. And I was in this valley with these stones and I was looking for red agates. And there was a man, this particular man that I knew in my dream, tall redheaded man. And it it was just like the feeling of it like some of those dreams that I'm sure I wrote it down and there's more to it, but I just had a glimpse of it, but it's like, it is like another life lifetime that you're touching into, you know? So I feel like that's, that's where it's just like, holy shit. So incredible. The red agate looking for the red agate is intriguing. Do you remember the details of why? No, but I know where it's written down. I just, I don't. I remember there there was something about a small log cabin and this person and I, whoever he was, we were married. And uh, yeah, I don't remember what we were doing with the stones. That's intriguing though. I, and you know, as you know, agate's a very powerful yeah. stone. It's very underrated. Most people are like, oh, hey, yeah, give me the, give me the amethyst or, right. you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, give me the bloodstone in agate. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I, and I also, I wrote down here, so the people in dreams, um, could you elaborate on that and the different ways you experience people? And so this can include people, you know, from your waking life and, um, and then others. Yeah. So it's funny that there are certain friends of mine I have, uh, that I've had for years that maybe I don't see them very often, and but I dream about them more than I see them. So I'll dream about them like every three months. I have dream about certain friends of mine that are couples and I go to their farm and we do these things. It's kind of funny. And I don't even, I'm not even thinking about them as much as, as I dream about them. So, but in terms of, uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I do dream about a lot about students and I dream about my children a lot. And, uh, 
um, my family a lot. And I dream about the dead quite a bit. So my beloved dead come to me regularly. Sometimes there's bigger gaps than others. So that's, that's big. And, uh, could you give us an example of the dead you dream about? This is usually a kind of like a different, um, I'm very interested in this. So I usually kind of parse it out separately, but since you're bringing it up now, can you give us some examples? Yeah. Well, I'll first say that, uh, well, I've lost significant, I've lost four really significant people in my life, but I realized the first one I was 20 and I lost a, a partner slash boyfriend. He died in a fire. And that was the only way I got over his death was through dreams. Absolutely. It was so huge that because we had no closure, he died suddenly. Uh, I was, you know, and we had been together for almost a year living together and all that. And that was the only, that was it, you know, through dreams. And I found the same experience very true with my mother and my brother who died within a year of each other, who I was extremely close to. Uh, and they often come to me together in a lot of dreams. And I'll dream about my childhood home quite a bit. I mean, quite a bit, you know, like four times a year, but they're significant dreams regularly, I guess. And so, yeah, they, they come to me and sometimes they're visiting and I know it's a visitation and I can say, oh my gosh. And I almost get lucid in the dream and I could say, oh mom, good to see you or whatever. And other times it's just like they're alive. So it's not always one way or the other, but I have uh, friends from high school who have passed on who I see in dreams for sure. Not nearly as much as my family, but. You're, um, if you don't mind, can we talk about the your boyfriend that died in the fire in the dreams uh -huh. um so when so when you were first encountering him in this space um okay it was there a progression that's what i want to get at so like for the for example I, i've had a lot of close close in death too i've i call it the constant companion at this point um yeah. it was there so with my momo, there was a progression. I couldn't see her. I wasn't terribly emotional when she died. I mean, it affected me. I loved her more than anything in the world. But it was when I first started seeing her in dreams, I had I got I was too emotional and it would just end. So I'd see her from a distance. And then it started to be behind things like glass and like prison almost. Like we'd have a phone. And so I'd see her and my emotional stuff was a little bit more detached but still too much and then it would be like in another room and we could see each other but not talk and eventually it came to where we were in the same room and interacting and now it's 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 very wonderful actually right. so was there some sort of a progression how did they start and where did they go well it's interesting that you say that i mean with my mom that happened with the progression like what you said very much so uh but no, with him, it was just, it was just like him literally like being next to me and saying, I'm here, like, I'm, it's, it's okay, you know, like reassuring me and talking to me directly and me being able to like hold him and tell him, you know, that I miss him and all these things. It was, it was pretty, there wasn't really a progression with that, but I was drinking a ton of alcohol at the time and like hanging out on his grave a lot. So who knows? I mean, it was a strange time. <laughs> That was my coping, you know. It was like, thank God for alcohol and dreaming and it's grave. I don't know. That's how I got well, through the first year, you know. Oh, I mean, that's incredibly tragic. Death by yeah. fire is just intense. I mean, oh my God. It's my worst nightmare, personally. Um, when 
did he did he was he able to communicate about dying in that way? You know, I wish uh, it's interesting. Every five years or so, I burn all of my journals, including dream journals. <laughs> I always have done that, and I haven't. Yeah, so I I had written everything down, and it's all gone. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure in terms of that. I mean, he died by his own hand, so you know. Yeah, I mean, whether or not his own hand still fires a. Fires oh yeah. A it's um oh and by the way i actually think that's an, a very magical thing to burn your stuff every so often yeah it, feels, it always feel, has felt right to do that yeah i've had two big fires in my life they weren't by my hand and uh, i would never do it myself really? no i could never i mean this was antiques and all my photos and like everything i loved um and it was in the end they were gifts this was these were in my in my life they were two great gifts of release from yeah. from chains sure. um, okay that yeah that's that's intense so on the the dreams with your mother how old were you when your mother died it was eight years ago and my brother died nine years ago tomorrow in fact oh my goodness yeah. oh it's so that's just crazy yeah i'm sorry to hear that um did so when this emotional this emotional aspect of um this emotional interaction with your mother afterwards were you able to ever get like clean um when i say clean is like where you're not emotional like communication with her oh yeah yeah but i can't tell you how many dreams i had where we like she was in a hospital somewhere and she was still alive and I tried to call her on a phone and couldn't call, you know, like the numbers would mess up. Yes. I had, seriously, I've had like a hundred of those. Yes. Yeah. But she was sick for a long time too, but it's, it's so crazy how that works. Like I've had many more of those than the actual clear communication with her. Yeah. I've only, my mom has been dead 20 years this year. And so it took me, it took me easily a decade when I was still emotional, like <laughs> Like I was, I mean, it's yeah. still like now I'm, I'm fine with it and it's great, but it, it was still a decade on. I couldn't, mm -hmm. I was longing for each encounter and yet each one kind of wrecked me up and it would take a day to get over even. Um, oh yeah. So what about your brother? Did you encounter him? Do you encounter him in this space? I do less frequently than my mom, but a lot of times they're together. They were really close. We were all, all three of us were like a, you know, very close, uh, whatever triangle growing up, but yeah, I dream less about him, but when I do, it's, you know, it, there's also the thing of, I don't, I'm sure you've had this too, with losing people where you dream that they had an, a different death than they did. So mm -hmm. there's a few of those for sure. Numerous ones of those with him where he died of a heart attack in his sleep at the age of 29. Oh, sad in return. Yeah. Yeah. Very unexpected. So, but I've had many dreams about him dying in other ways and all these, uh, you know, sometimes it'll be a dream where I, I, I almost like can almost save him somehow. Like I can, you know, mm -hmm. and I never can, but those are those kind of dreams too, you know? Yeah. These are, um, you're really bringing, th this subject's very important to me and we don't, I don't get a lot of people that have a good recall of, um, the dead loved ones we get some of it but not 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 a lot and um 
So this is, and this is important stuff to talk about. And it's definitely important in context to Nox Mente because ultimately where we go is where is consciousness? You know, where are we? And um, so that's significant in your dreams when it's other people, when it's not loved ones, but it, is there a way you can tell if they are, say, uh, sentient in a way and not part of your psyche? You mean like uh, dreaming about uh, demons or fairies? Well, certainly, demons or fairies, um, trapped spirits, ghostly kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Give yeah. me some of those examples. Yeah, so years ago, I remember one really specifically where I was outside of. I was at like a, whatever, uh, once again, hard to describe, but like a, it was like a antique store and it was in a house, you know, how sometimes that actually happens. So I, I, it, in my dream, I didn't know where I was, but I went into this antique store and there was like a, I was looking around and it was cool, but there was a basement. So I went down in the basement and suddenly the dream changed. Like the quality became crystal clear. It all of a sudden had a different kind of feeling and light, all of it, you know, the details were remarkable. And there was a man down there who was maybe five foot tall and like blonde hair. And he was very lavishly dressed. He had like an emerald like uh, coat that was very fancy and old style. And his eyes twinkled. And I knew he was a fairy man. You know, I knew he was not of the human world. So I... We had an encounter and I woke up and I just felt like, God, that was strange. Oh, what the hell? You know, that was really cool. So that was really special because there was some sort of romantic vibe, but nothing happened. But it was like a weird vibe. And I don't remember exactly what we said. That's one of them. And then there was another one more recently. I did a group dreaming experiment with uh, one of the classes that I teach. I think this was maybe six months ago where we were all trying to meet in the dream realm around the full moon for a while. We only I think we only tried it a couple times and then we got busy but we the first one we did the idea was like let's imagine all of us at like a castle ruins like before we go to sleep like with that intention to see each other in the dream realm and that night I dreamt that I was in this sandstone castle and I was walking down like a, a hallway and I was with a group of people it wasn't those people but it was another group of people and we came into a huge room where there's a roaring fire and there was a woman with ram horns, uh, and she was super spooky and just uh, cloaked. And we had to pass around. God, what was it? I have it right in here. We sat in. There was like fourteen of us, and there was. A, I, I'm actually pretty sure it was all women. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, and even though I didn't know them in the dream, I knew them. You know how that is. But in waking life, I don't know who they were. There was a really one of the women was quite elderly. We had to pass this human bone around the room. Everybody had to touch it. And by the time it got to the leader, this woman with the ram's horns, you know, it was supposed to be like charged, but we had to give it to the elderly woman first because it would become so powerful as we passed it around, it would hurt her, you know? And so because anyway, that was potent, potent dream. And uh, yeah, that woman was not of this world for sure. So she, this one, she actually had something and was passing it around. What it, the first one with the the sparkly eyed gent? Was there? Did he have something for you? Was there? Um, 
you know how the Fae usually will have something or take something? Yeah, it's a good question. I haven't looked at that dream. I have it written down somewhere. And I, I know there was like sparkly treasure all around because it was like all of a sudden the antiques down in the basement, you know, it was like brass and shiny things yes. everywhere. It was full of treasure. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, that was cool. But I don't remember if he gave me something or if I took something. I, I should look back on that one. I'll have to do that. And what kind of, were these in this time? So that one, this last one was with your group about six months ago, you said? Yeah. And then the one with the sparkly-eyed gent, when was that? That was probably five years ago. Okay, so, but these are fairly recently. Sorry, Jared, carry on. No, the one with the woman who was creepy? Yeah. Was it, did she have the hordes of treasure too? No. Okay. I just saw, I, remember. I just saw something, um, it's a new TV show, where they encountered a dragon in human form who was hoarding treasure. Oh, it was, right. It was an old, weird woman. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I live for these, the crones, you know, that, that come in as the, give you that image. You know, that's why I love Baba Yaga and, oh, um, yeah. you know, all this, Hecate. Um, so in these so these are these are fascinating. I love these. And are the would you you said that it's maybe I gathered this, I'm not sure, but you have them you have you've had many. Did I hear you say that? With the Fae or these otherworldly types? I wouldn't say many, but I have them I have them regularly enough to recognize absolutely. I, I wouldn't say like all the time. They're pretty I mean, I'd say probably four times a year. That's pretty so, significant, I think. Yeah, quarterly or something. Yeah, there was, I, I was just thinking of another one where there was a, there was this Victorian, this white Victorian house and it was kind of up on a hill and there were these winter trees that were all, you know, black with branches. And it was during the day and I walked up and there was a witch woman living there and she was, she looked kind of like, uh, you know, Morticia or something. And she was really intense and she, she was mean, you know, but she had, uh, she had these two obsidian gifts that were really incredible. One was like an obsidian blade and one was an obsidian stone. And I've, I've dreamt about obsidian since then too. And, but she was like really threatening and mean, but she gave them to me. And then an old woman showed up on the porch and kind of softened the blow somehow with these like red curls. She was really like kind. She had a dog. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I feel like that will happen sometimes where somebody just totally out of the pale. The, it, I find it extremely significant that you, you get the treasure, you get something. So yeah. this, you know, we've got the darker goddess, you know, you, Morticia immediately, I get the Morrigan, right. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah. a, with the obsidian very significant and that she gave that uh, gave you an obsidian yeah two pieces yeah that's significant and did did it was it in did it have a shape did they have shapes uh-huh. oh yeah i drew drew them mm-hmm. oh cool that's super cool and then um of course we must always fear fear the dark goddess and the the dark fae that they that's a we need respect yeah. there okay. um but i love the aspect you said about the more vivacious the redhead yeah just like a kinder like yeah. side yeah well it's i mean it's probably it was still probably her and so that right. that is um that's juicy you bring in the witchy dreams tonight girl <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, we're just getting going. <laughs> <laughs> These are good. Okay, so I have a couple questions. I wanted to get to the life-changing ones, but I'm not there yet. I want to get to, um, so with these, oh, here, um, my flow, okay, back, back to my flow is the one thing I didn't write down. I write as we go. Um, in the dreamscape, do you have encounters with um, the sentience of nature? So, especially since this is what you do in your waking world and excel at and um, have made a career with. So, and, and I know you, you've got the book on trees, all this. Um, what's your experience with the, the sentience of trees and the natural world in the dream? Yeah, I have quite a few animal dreams and implant dreams. I definitely take them as highly significant when I do. I pay a lot of attention to what, in particular, I mean, with plants and animals, but it's funny, I probably have more animal dreams than plant dreams. You would think I would have a ton of plant dreams. I don't. And so in terms of what you would imagine, maybe, I don't know. I, I feel like when I do, it's really a big deal. So recently I, I've been obsessed with black maple trees and just in general, like this year, just for some reason, this fall, just noticing, you know, they're ornamental. I don't know what their genus and species is. I don't care, but I just been obsessed with them and thinking about, oh, planting them and having a forest of black maple trees. They're just gorgeous. They're amazing. Their leaves and the feel of them. And I love maple in general. So I, I named, I named this place after Maple Mist Wood, you know, maple trees. So I, and I also that's your website. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maple's a big thing in general, but these black maples are really spooky and cool. Their leaves look like leather. So I, I had a dream where I was picking the black maple. And so it, they kind of turn scarlet or orangish as they fade. Some of the trees I've seen, which is super interesting that they start black. And then when they fall, they turn red. So in the sunlight, I was picking these black maple leaves. And I was really happy. This is just the most recent one a couple of weeks ago. They're like, so, and, but this vampire woman was following me, not, not a vampire, like in the cool, sexy way, but a vampire, like a psychic vampire. She's, she was a really needy older woman who was like, just trying to, she just needed something really bad. And I was like, no, I, I need to like be with the maple tree. Like you can't whatever suck my life force away. So it was an interesting transmission. I think of those as Oh, and a lot of the magical objects that I've seen in dreams, which are so crazy, I wish I could create them. But I think of those as direct transmissions. So in some ways, it's like the black maple is like, oh, use this for psychic vampires. Bam. You know, so that's how I think about it. And white lilies have been a big thing for me this year. So I've had a couple dreams specifically about the white lilies. One was where I gave white lilies and in a mica vase to my mom in a dream. And then another one was where I used white lilies and sugar wrapped in red, uh, white thread as a love charm. So that was interesting. So I pay a lot of attention when I do, when either I'm harvesting plants um, and or when I notice a tree, like, oh, there was an oak tree at the beginning of blah, 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 or whatever. And then also uh, animals, they, they come and go, but I have a lot of owl, a lot of raven, a lot of moths you know, and a lot of deer over all the years and actually a lot of coyote. So yeah, I pay, I pay a lot of attention to those. Do you have examples of your encounters with the animals in the dreamscape? Yeah. That just stick out. I'd love to hear some. Oh, sure. So the, so recently it was really cool. So I, I didn't even, you know how 
it's like this, I'd say in general with plants and animals and with spirits in general, they choose you. You don't get to choose. Uh, you know, it's not a self-proclaimed game. So you see what comes in your dreams. You see what comes in your waking life. You see what you're obsessed with. You see what shows up in terms of Materia Magica chooses you. So I, I recently did a thing and then I'll get back to these, but I want to, I just made a notice. I started to, I went through the last three or four years of dream journals. This was six months ago or something. And I made a dreaming grimoire. So I, I picked out and teased out kind of all of the direct transmissions and wrote them in kind of a formulaic way. Cause I love doing that. I love working with what comes from my dreams. I'll talk about that in a little bit, how I do that. But anyway, I noticed a bunch of coyote stuff and I was like, Whoa, crazy. Why haven't I, I haven't really initiated much with coyote and coyote has shown up in my life at very poignant times. So this fall, one of the dreams I had, I had a couple harvest dreams. One of them was that I was walking in the middle of a wheat field. You know, we, I don't grow wheat. Wheat doesn't grow around here, but I was walking in the middle of this wheat field. It was like perfectly tawny, gorgeous heads of wheat, you know, the twilight color of the sky. And there was people, there was all these people, there were dead cows that had been slaughtered in the middle of the field. And all these people were going out with kettles to take the meat, you know? So I had a big kettle and I was going to get the meat. And I came across three coyotes and they were eating the meat as well. And I was so struck by their beauty. They were just incredibly gorgeous. And I was, I knew we were like dancing and sharing this meat. So that was one of them recently. And then after that, maybe a month later, a really important dream was I had asked, I'd been asking for dreams and asking for dreams. I needed some help with something. And so this is the dream that came. I was at my grandma's farm of all places back in the swampy woods where the golden light kind of hit everything in a certain way and I was staring at this space you know and it was like a circle it was like this beautiful circle that had been matted down by animals but it was like perfect you know the grass kind of at the edge of this like very light colored wood in the golden late golden sun late summer sun and it was matted down and I just was staring at it and all of a sudden I realized when I looked in the middle of the circle I saw three coyote three coyotes that they were they were invisible but they like were their shape was visible but I couldn't does it make sense? I could see them, but I, they didn't look, they looked like they were invisible and I could see them. There were three coyote in there. And then on the outside of the circle was three deer. And it was the same thing where they blended in in the background and just their edges moved like heat waves. And it was so crazy. And I was staring, standing there. And later, of course, I thought predator and prey, you know, but I was standing there watching this and all of a sudden a black horse came up with a hearse. He had one single hearse, a black, long, Victorian, fancy hearse, and the horse had no driver, and the hearse was empty, and it stood at the edge of the circle, and one, one of the horse somehow got spooked and went away, and that was it, but it was very powerful. Gary, you look like you were going to say something. <laughs> I was going to say just like Predator, the movie Predator, the, the out which you probably never saw, but it was a movie in the 80s that had um, an alien with a cloaking suit, best way to explain it, where you could see the outline, you could see through it, light would shine through it, but it was like a glimmer when it, right. when it, when it moved. Like gloaming. And, yeah. yeah. Totally. It's like cloak, cloaking, whatever. But I was going to say Predator, and then you're like, Predator. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, funny. <laughs> well, that... That's quite um, significant. The circle really takes it yeah. to a new, not a new, it takes it to a very, um, you know, now we start talking sacred geometry and, um, and also 
you know, all kinds of, all kinds of magical arts. So you've got them inside and you've got the, um, the outside, the hearse and the horse. I mean, this is amazing imagery. Yeah. How long ago was this? Three months, two months. Oh, it's recent. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's fierce. So when you come when you come up from this experience, so something potent like that, where you're giving them you're given a message, right? I mean, that's how I view these. Yeah. So what did you? That's you know you have to share personal stuff, but what what did you what did you get from that? Well, I mean, it's one of the things that happens after I have a if any significant dream that stands out from kind of the like. Mm, like self-reflective and like kind of combing the depths dreams or the rat dreams, like any, any significant dream, I chew on it for a while. Like I keep it on, I always talk about a thing with my students where there's like an inner altar mm-hmm. where we have this place like in our psyche that we kind of put things, maybe they're like omens and in, in, in signs, maybe they're fate encounters and strange encounters, maybe they're dreams, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh, creative processes. So I put that there and I kind of work on it for a while. And then I, I usually create some sort of art with it or poem or writing, but that particularly, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because both of the animals I have huge history with, with the coyote, which I was, I, that's been a, talk about adversarial. That's been a, a, a relationship that I haven't embraced, but mm-hmm. the deer, the deer show up in particular times they mean something really specific don't mm. coyotes also and then i feel like um you know the hearse uh the avoiding disaster avoiding death i mean i feel like it's a close call and i don't mean in physical life but there's um it's walking on the the way i took that was like walking on the edge mm-hmm. of something dangerous <clears throat> but also that's um I don't know. It's also, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but I definitely felt, felt all of the, all of the symbolism there was really pointing at you. Isn't there, oh yeah, it's, it's potent. Sorry, Jerry. Isn't there a relationship, is there a relationship between Coyote and Trickster, the Trickster entity? Oh, definitely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the Native, Native American mythology. Right. right? One that they were contained within the circle. No, they were, they, yeah, they were in the circle. And the, the deer, deer were outside. Uh-huh. <clears throat> well, the and the horse, you know, like in traditional, like in like high spiritual movement, late eighteen hundreds, the Lima, stuff, all that that's happening. The horse was often associated with a couple things: ego was one, and vanity was another. Um, and so, of course, what I love about our time is, and this is one of the reasons why we get specific with things that are personal symbols for you when you you know for anyone when they're little is that it's not nothing nothing in this world is a blanket (laughs) you know so it's um i think the day i liberated myself from books on dream symbolism was one of the best days of my life um but you know those were early years i was interested and so now the, the horse can just mean so many things but it's classic with the hearse, and yeah. I, I and it was a white horse. No, it was black. It was black. Interesting. 
Yeah, that's witchy as hell. Yeah. Um, I won't dive. I won't dive more into that with you because that you know that that's all personal. It's all recent. Um, I'm really per- let's say I I wanted I want to spend some time with the life changing dreams. Uh huh. So when you were parsing out like the layers of dreams, that was one of the layers. And so I wrote the the things I definitely wanted to get to. We already got to with you or um, the people dreams and the life changing ones. So could you go into that a little more? Yeah. So those, those particular dreams, they have such a different, like I said, such a different quality and like, a, they also like an initiation. One of the hallmarks I think of initiatory experiences that one can draw power from it for a very, very long time. Many, many years can pass and one can still draw power from it. So these are similar these dreams uh, have that same quality where years can go by and, and one can still remember them just like so poignantly, you know, or whatever. It's in such a, they're epic essentially. So um, I'll give you one example that I, that I, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to, to tell these in some ways, but I want to give you an example because they're like, wow. Um, this one has to do I've told this to my students, so it's like educational purposes. I feel okay about this this particular one, and it was really special. And there's so much to it, but the I was pregnant with my daughter, so it was four years ago. And this this really is cool because um, it's about owls. And I the day I got pregnant with her, uh, it was a dark moon, and I saw we have a lot of owls here, and I've had a big relationship with owls since I I moved out to this place about seven years ago. They've become really big for me. But and lots of dreaming about owls. But anyway, the day I was pregnant, found out I was pregnant with her, we saw two owls in a tree, and uh, my former husband and my son and I watched them, and it was just really special. So anyway, she's our little owlist. But this dream—that was the day you found out you were pregnant. Yeah. Oh wow, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. Two owls in a tree. I've never seen two before, and it was like Together. we were literally yeah. twenty feet from them for like wow on the dark moon. <laughs> Nature yeah. loves you. What's that? Nature loves you. Yeah, it's amazing. It was. Really I think she's special. an elemental. <laughs> What's yeah. that? I said I think you're an elemental. You think so? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you're definitely a f f elf. That's a high compliment. It is indeed. Yeah. So I had this dream in the early stages. You know, uh, morning sickness. You know, feeling like crap. First few months, I had this dream, and it was unbelievable. So. I was on this property and I was walking down the driveway in real life. There's a very long driveway through the forest. So I was walking down this driveway, but in my dream, we shared this property with a set of neighbors. So kind of in the middle of the driveway, as it is, there are these people that lived here. And it was like an older couple who were in their 70s. And they're like three sons in their 40s. And they were just very, very different than us. They trashed the place. Like they were just kind of. Yeah, just like garbage everywhere, didn't care, you know, just negligent, didn't care, right? So I'm walking past the neighbors who I don't like on my on this driveway that we share. And I look over and there's kind of like a hunting stand and one of the sons who's in his 40s has a dead barn owl and he's cutting the wings off. And oh I was god. like, oh my god, oh my god. So I freaked out my dream and I said, what the fuck are you doing? Like, oh my god. And I walked up to him and I said, what are you doing? What do you, what, oh my God, I was so upset. And he said, oh, well, this owl came and 
I wanted to catch it and I'm going to, I'm going to take these wings and put them on the wall. This is so incredible. And he was just, and I said, that's so fucked up. And I said, this is so wrong. Like something of such great beauty shouldn't, shouldn't be killed for its beauty. You shouldn't try to keep it or catch it. You should be happy that it graced your property and that it touched your property with its wings. And anyway, I kind of started talking to him and, and then it was like, I was, I came down and I was walking down the driveway and he started following me. And all of a sudden there was like 20 people following me. I don't know who they were. And I was talking about how messed up our culture was that this kind of thing is like, we want to keep something that's so wild, you know? And, and then at the end of my driveway, it was all logged. Like all the trees were gone and this isn't true in real life, but in my dream, it, it was, it was like that. And I, I asked the man, I said, will you please take this to the local tribe and give them the owl so they can put their fe the feathers into ceremony and dance with this owl again? And he said he would, that he would take it to the Squaxin Island tribe. And I was so happy and, and it was like amazing. It was this amazing moment. And I was walking back to my house by myself down the driveway after like kind of this epic speech. And a woman who I don't know, who was kind of like 50s, blonde hair, came up and, and said to me, she just like touched my shoulder. She said, thank you so much. And I said, oh, you know, you're welcome. I'm so glad, whatever, I inspired you. And, and my owl that I have a relationship with, the barred owl, not a barn owl, flew down from the trees and it touched my shoulder with its wings and two feathers fell off. And I gave the feathers to this woman. And that was it. That's incredible. It was incredible. I mean, it was so clear, so cohesive, such a narrative. Everything was just incredibly powerful. Yeah. It's it, with these dreams too. I, I just love, thank you for sharing these dreams. I, I'm just, I'm very grateful about this. Some people don't have dreams. I'm glad to talk philosophy of dreams all day. Um, these dreams feel really lucid. When you're telling them, I'm feeling a high degree of lucidity hearing them. So, where, like, so for that dream, ex where were you in the lucid aspect? How real did it feel? Well, there was a, you know, it's interesting with lucid dreaming. There was a period, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I went through a bunch of lucid dreaming. This wasn't a lucid dream. I mean, it felt extremely real in terms of its effect on me. It felt like it totally happened. But in terms of knowing, like, I know I'm dreaming and I'm going to do something. I, there was none of that. It wasn't like lucid like that. What, okay, so just on that is a is a little side note to this. What's your experience with lucidity within the dream space? Well, said like I said, what's that? You said not much earlier that it. Yeah, so being lucid, you know, I, like I said earlier, about ten years ago, I went through a big phase for a number of months where I was having lucid dreams all the time, and since then, not a lot, not very often now, but I. I do a lot of conscious dreaming or trance work very regularly, which feels extremely much the same as lucid dreams. That's exactly the same as lucid dreaming. But in terms of my night dreams, hardly ever now. I don't, I don't have a lot of lucidity in terms of just being like, whoa, this is a dream. Like I have some control. I'm going to do something. When you're, so let's, let's, let's ruminate here for a minute. So in these dreams, when you were having, just any dream, but just in general, the lucid dreams. Um, what were the, what, what kind of things can you derive from them? Like what were triggers to get you lucid? Like, oh, I'm in, I'm dreaming. Um, do, like just any details that stick out that may help other people. Well, gosh, I wish I could remember. It's been a long time. 
I don't remember. I, I wanted to. Well, one thing was I remember wanting to have lucid dreams. So I think there was some sort of practice around. I forget what it was. Maybe it was a phrase before falling asleep. I forget what it was. There was a practice around it that I was doing or an object that I was trying to see in my dreams that would remind me something like that. But I wish I could remember. I It's just been a long time, so I'm not sure. When you were, um, let me, let me, um, let me walk with you on this for a minute. So in, in the dreams, when you became lucid, that like moment of lucidity, um, where you're like, I, I know I'm dreaming was at any point, did the idea that you were dreaming within wake within the dream ever wake you up? Like the moment you realize you're awake in the dream, this is a, it's a common experience for me, at least I hear it from other people, but I only know my experience where sometimes I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm awake or, and so at that point, sometimes I'll either get pinpoint, um, uh, visual perception where I have to just hone in on one thing, like uh -huh. the the road or a lamp or, or something to get stability so I can expand it. Or um, sometimes just knowing the idea of I'm awake within the dream somehow triggers me out of it, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember having like definitely a feeling of time pressure, like knowing like all of a sudden when you realize you're dreaming you know it's not going to last that long so there's like this intensity of like oh my god i have to like who do i want to see or what do i want to do like i have to do that because there's not enough time there's not very much time i'll wake up soon for sure i definitely remember that yeah it, it's i always want to hold on to it and it's, yeah. it's and and it's like anything it's a real lesson in life it's like the more you want to hold on to it the less you have it <laughs> yeah so, you know oh, for sure. <laughs> some ways um, I've, I've thought about this too though in some ways i'm glad i don't have a lot of lucid dreams anymore because it's like being awake i'm already awake during the day i like being in a dream world at night where i'm not conscious you know in some ways i actually like that what, because uh, you never know what's going to happen what's that no i was going to ask what experience you've had or anything um like uh, astral travel or projection if anything um I mean, well, I mean, I guess in the way that it's commonly defined in terms of leaving the one's body, uh, I never felt like I had much experience, like when I was younger, a child doing that. Like some people say that they could float up and turn back around and see their own body, whatever. I didn't have that. But the, the conscious dream, you know, the trance work that I do is definitely that. I mean, you're going, you're going to all sorts of places to the dreamscape, also to this world. And I do that, I've done that for the last decade. And that has, I think that that has made a huge impact on my dream life because it trains that part of the brain, you know? Right. Well, I was really curious. I was going to ask a follow-up to that. How different is that from a, a regular lucid dream? And why, so, uh, are, what's that? And, and why are they different? I mean, what, what right. you said you felt rushed in a lucid dream once you realize you're dreaming. Do you have that same sensation when you're doing the, uh, the remote work? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great question. I never even thought about that. Yeah, so what it is is like, I'd say it's more, uh, more intense with lucid night dreaming, but in terms of the time pressure, but there still is that time pressure to, with the trance work, it's, it's so similar to lucid dreaming where it's like you have some control, but ultimately you're not 
in control at all and you're not choosing what is coming to you. I always think of it like uh, water bubbling up from a brook, you know, like that kind of a thing. Like you don't really get to, you don't get to choose who comes or the landscape or how it works. And you just have to kind of make these instant decisions. There is some pressure behind it because there's a sense of like, you know, you go with some sort of intention, like, Oh, I want to visit with the spirit of the, the yew tree and like get a direct transmission about this ancestor work I'm doing. I'm just using that as an example. Right. So there is a sense of like things unraveling. So when you have something that you're kind of working with, that's very tangible, there's, there's a, there's a knowing that it, it won't last. Like, it's similar to dreaming. I totally get it. You're saying you, you build this construct and now it's going to dissipate while you work with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like keeping the focus and like trying to, it's, it's a muscle to exercise. It's mm-hmm. not a given. So you have to, it's like with dreaming too. And I think with people that do a lot of lucid dreaming, mm-hmm. I'm sure, because I remember at the time it was, it was like working this muscle, you know, it feels it's, really similar. I just had a flash of people spinning plates. So it's like a spinning plates thing on Bozo. You know, you got 10 plates going, you got to keep them all spinning at once. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. And, and you can exert some control, but ultimately you're not in control. Right. So, so that's fascinating. What, so when you do this trans work, um, this, I'm just talking on my ass, really. It seems like you go to a central place and pull people in or people, entities, whatever are, meet there you don't you can't really go i'm asking can you really go like to their house and work with them or do you work with people or, or spirits or with plants mostly oh everything yeah but in terms of going to people's house you mean like go visit your grandma at her house no, like astrally or remote lucid oh, yeah. Anyhow. yeah oh yeah you can go to people's house no, I, I know, I know. I'm saying, oh. is, do you think that space that's created for that is, is an overlay? Is it something separate? Is it oh. part of consciousness? You know, what is that arena? The invisible realm? What is it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. What, <laughs> what do you think it is? I think it's really similar to the dream world. I think it's very similar. So in terms of, uh, I've never thought about defining it. Uh, because it seems like in my experience from doing it, anything goes, I mean, there's no parameters. So it's like, it can be the weirdest shit, just like night dreams that you can ever even think of, or that you can't, you can't actually think of it till you do it. There's no forethought at all, or it can be something that seems kind of lame and boring. I mean, it's got similar qualities. So I don't know what is it in terms of consciousness there's an aspect like of being conscious that's totally necessary. Right. But it's not, it's something, it's something yeah. else. I've been you know, thinking about, in. yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, I was going to say, and some, some of the things, I wonder how much like psychic DNA we have access to sometimes with work like that. Um, even with dreaming, night dreaming, where, you know, people, you know, if you, I studied molecular biology for a while and, you know, I think we have what, I might be getting the ratio, um, the percentage wrong because it's been a long time, but I think, you know, people say we have 80% junk DNA. So I always thought mm. that was a total joke. It's just like, because we don't know how it's used, but yeah, I really wonder about how much ancestral DNA and like psychic imprinting that we have from our ancestors. It makes me wonder, 
can we see what they saw or can we experience what they experienced? You know what I mean? Like the right. landscapes or interactions or this or that. So I sometimes wonder if some of the dream realm comes from those kind of things, from our DNA, which sounds bizarre, but I don't know. No, it's not bizarre at all. I mean, you're really talking about DNA as a storage device. So Absolutely. is it storing these things or is it storing links to the consciousness units that were those entities, your ancestors? You know, that's. You never know. You never know. Really. Right. 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 I've just had this. We don't really... know how protein synthesis affects us. We don't. <laughs> we don't even understand how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask some molecular biology. I forgot my question. But um, the one thing I was going to say, I just forgot that now. Awesome. All right, Nish, it's all you. <laughs> Jerry, you're hilarious. No, I just had, she, she made me think of another question. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'll think of it. Well, one of the things that Jerry usually asks is in, in, and it's kind of, it relates to this, and you may have when I was on my little pee break, um, is do you get downloads within your dream? But that's a good question. So, so in, within dreaming, do you get information that, um, you know, like, do you get information? Yeah, she that you does. Get? She got those magic tools. She said that one time she gets all kinds of information. Right. Was, so like, um, Transmission. Yeah, yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, that yep. kind of goes in with, um, stored genetic memory, which is tied into crystalline stuff and cubic stuff. And which is tied into animals. Do you remember, Jer? I just remember my question. Oh, so I. <laughs> the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, besides contacting plant spirits and animal spirits, have you contacted other entity spirits, non-human? Well, we talked or about entities. Did I miss it? Did I miss that part? Not the fae. I'm talking like aliens. Oh, okay. I know so that starts not... with how do you? Not that which... they're necessarily different. Right. Not that they're necessarily different. Um, not specifically. I don't have it. Not knock on wood and don't want, I don't have alien dreams mm -hmm. or pop apocalyptic dreams. Like a lot of folks. And have. you've never been abducted, quote unquote, abducted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think that you have to be near cell towers to have that happen or some kind of, you know, radio thing. I don't know. What? Did I have to be near what? Like, if you grow up in the country, you probably don't have that happen to you. But I don't know. Oh, I, I, right. remember, I just remember my other question. I was just kind of ad-libbing there. My other question was, are you RH negative? Blood type. Um, I'm O positive. Okay. I don't know. If, that's, don't not, know. that's not, well, if you're positive, you're not negative. Right. Then no. Right. There so, seems to be a high correlation of RH negative people with a highly psychic, high psychic abilities. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, RH oh, yeah. You've got psychic hands. I can tell. You've got, I read hands, uh, curology. Um, yeah, your fingertips are very, yeah, yeah girl. So you, <laughs> it's there. Um, <laughs> so in, in all of this, this kind of this mid territory where we are what do you think about the role of dreams as it relate as they relate to this experience of waking life that seems to take precedence yeah so with with dreams i it's one of the reasons they're so important to me i 
highly value them. And I absolutely have like more. So everybody has, you know, kind of signs and auguries and omens that they may follow, whether we admit it or not, or even know it or not. There, it's <clears throat> hardwired in us to do such things. So for me, there's a lot of things I consider, but dreams are huge. So basically, you know, I listen to them way more, maybe even more than I should and worry about them and think about them. So they influence my waking life in that way. For example, I always think the very first dream I have about somebody is very telling, always. Like the very first one, I pay a lot of attention to the first dream so-and-so uh, shows up in for me, first one, you know? It, it, it's almost like it tells me something. I've just learned that over the years. I don't know why. And I've had a number of prophetic dreams, like very specifically the night before my mother died, um, a bunch of weird, a bunch of weird prophetic dreams over the years. And then also the direct transmissions that you're talking about or the downloads. I work with that material in the, the magic work I do for sure. I, I do art around it and or writing and or altars and or whatever, some sort of spell work, ritual stuff around it because it it's there for a reason, you know, not just to be discarded. Can you give us, um, so for example, I, so of course I love the prophetic stuff. Um, and for me, every significant person so far that's died has come to me. I've known beforehand, even if they were dying, say they had a cancer or something. I, I knew like they were right there at the edge. And like this last year, my friend Tammy, lifelong friend, um, she came as the wind, literally as the wind and the wind that was escaped out of a vehicle with open doors, you know, it was like she was free. And, um, and then there were cockroaches coming out of the engine. She had brain cancer. Uh, um, and so it was also clear to me, this was Tammy as opposed to literal her visage. Right. Um, the, but you know, with my momo, as you already know, she, uh, she came as herself at the age she died, which is now my age. Um, and, um, and then progressively got younger and more into the beautiful mother I remember, who was just, you know, the goddess to me. So the, you know, the, the sun shone around, she was the sun. Um, so the one, give us an example of maybe the prophetic dream you had with your mother. That's one of my wolves. I have two wolves barking wolves in the real? background. Yeah, I do. They're, they're high content. Oh. Yeah. But they're long-time bred, so they're not F1s or 2s. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Are those like tornado forces, F1, F2? <laughs> well, it's just the closer to being wild. So mine has yeah. come from a... I remember bred. my other question now, finally. Oh. Um, <clears throat> I had asked about astral travel. Uh, do you have any experience with, like, the, the astral plane itself? And have you encountered any of... The alleged beasties that live there, the vampiric and parasitic entities and whatnot. Oh, I'm sure I have. I'd never frame it as the astral plane. Right, I know. It's kind of difficult to put it that way. It's like semantics, really. Your lucid uh, dreamscape. <laughs> dreamscape, yes. <laughs> Vampires? No, yeah, the psychic vampire types. The energy suckers. Oh, yeah. And demons and fucking scary things that I have no idea, but you just, I always say that intuitively when you uh, encounter 
see, I'm trying to think of a recent nightmare. Uh, I had a really crazy one after my daughter was really sick recently, a couple months ago, and it wasn't, it was, but it wasn't an entity. Huh. Could you share that with us, though? The nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she had just gotten, she's doing fine. She's my little four-year-old, but she, uh, she had just gotten over it. She was really sick in the summer, like in real life, really bad. And it was scary. I've never, neither one of my children have ever been that sick. So I was with her and we were, we were going on a walk at this place in my dream that we had been to many times in real life. I've never been there. It was like, almost like the coasts of Cornwall, just some beautiful like cliff on the ocean, epic, gorgeous site, like that had a path somehow on these cliffs, right? So you had to enter and pay a small fee, like $5 through a covered bridge to walk over. And it was a place in my dream, we'd been at many times. So we walked in, we were enjoying the, the view and we kept walking and we came across, <clears throat> it was just her and I, and we came across these upside down stumps like huge, you know, big stumps with roots up in the air, like upside down on the trail, two of them. It was very alarming. And I was like, that's, that makes no sense. That's so out of sorts. Like, what is that? So we kept walking and we came across a third one. And I was just like, the, it was an eerie, unsettling feeling that I felt in the dream. And I knew we needed to go home. And on our way walking back out through the covered bridge, we saw a small navy blue, like child size shoe, a wool shoe that had flowers embroidered on it, just one. And for whatever reason, in my dream, that meant that we were being watched and stalked, like stalked by someone who was watching us. And I got super freaked out. So we went back to my whatever house in my dream, which was like some weird condo somewhere. And my son was there and I said, I need to make a fire. Um, you need to and I got to lock the door. You got to watch over your sister. Someone's watching us. It was just super freaky. It was really, really intense, like gravity to that. Where was that place at? I, in my dream, it was just out here, you know, out in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. I thought you said it was near Cornwall. Well, that's what it reminded me of looking at it. It was like so beautiful. It looked like these sea cliffs and something yeah. I've never seen. That sounds like Tintagel Castle. Yeah, it definitely does. Mm. That's what it looked like. It yeah. was so cool. Okay. But, but yeah, that was a recent nightmare that was super scary. Yeah, those those things, um, they intrigue me the most, I think. I guess, of course, they're going to when they're... They, they whip up the emotions. Yeah. Um, and then on that, I want to get back to the premonition of your mother's oh, yeah. death. Yeah, for me, I will share that dream. Uh, so it was the night before she died. She had been in and out of the hospital and was very sick, but she was at home in real life. Like she was at home and doing pretty good, whatever that meant. And in my dream, we were at my childhood home. We were standing in the foyer and it was dark outside. And it was like, the door was ajar. The front door was ajar and it was very cold. And she was sorting through this box of furs, like fucking fur hats and fur collars. And I was like, mom, what are you doing? I walked up to her and I said, you got to close the door. You got to take care of yourself. What are you doing? Furs, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm cold. I said, I know you are, but shut the door and lock it. It's not safe out there. And, and, and right away, you know, it felt very scary. The lighting was all messed up. It was totally weird and cold. 
So we shut the door and locked the door. We walked around the corner. And, and in, in this dream, it looked identical to my family home as a child, you know, the one I've spent the most time in. And so we walked around the corner where in real life and in the dream, there was also the door that went to the garage. You know, like the, it's like a little, there's no glass on it. It's just a utility door that goes into the garage, right? And so we're standing yeah. there, we're standing in front of that door. And all of a sudden something tries to open it. And both of us, my mom and I grabbed the handle and the doorknob and we're pulling for life. Like we're just holding on and it's trying to open it and it's trying and it's trying. And, and I knew death was coming for her, you know. It was super intense. It gave me the chills. It's, I mean, really significant imagery. Yeah. It's, um, and that's another thing. Just these, um, the details of your imagery really answer my early question anyway about how the dreamscape is. I mean, you have your, the symbolic, your relationship with the symbolic world is, um, is deep. You, you definitely seem very right-brained to me. Uh-huh. yeah so okay so to get to this point i can't believe the time oh my god yeah that's a good vibe i know i so uh-huh. let me wrap up this so we can get to questions i sure. i could talk to you forever um okay so what what's your idea of death and 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 so as it's in context to all these states of consciousness that we we can put our finger on memories, dreams, active imagination, meditation, all these things that are states of consciousness we go in and out of. Uh And so what is death and how is it different from this? Well, the more, I don't contemplate death very often at all. I stopped doing that a long time ago it's like it's something we can't know and we're not supposed to know that's how i really deeply truly feel um so i don't actually spend a lot of time because soon enough i'll know (laughs) so that's i don't know i when i think about what is it uh in terms of is the question like do we carry this consciousness into death that we have now like all of these relationships do we carry them into death well, what, what is the, okay, so what is the, con- the state of consciousness that is death? How, is, how does it differ from your life as that you're living now? And, and I, I say that in context to all of this, because you have a dream life that you live in, right. that you're living that is separate really from your, your persona and your ego. And um, I mean, you may be in your dreams as Corinne, but you're also not, right? Yeah. Um, so how does death tie into all of this? How, what's that? Is it a state of consciousness? Is it a, is it a shift of, is it just a shift to the left? Is it a push to the membrane? Is it, is it just like birth? Uh, um, I have no fucking clue. Well, no one does. That's why I like, you know, the ponder, <laughs> that's why the ponder is so great sure. and, um, why it's so juicy to hear. Yeah. Um, people's ideas of it yeah well when you think of death what's the what's what are the first things that come to mind just like word association when when i think of my own death you mean my death or just okay so death in general i spent a lot of time i mean i spent a lot of time with death in certain ways i'm super interested in the dead and 
funerary plants and practices and grieving rites and all these things. But when I think of death in general, yeah. Well, I mean, transformation is the hugest thing. Are we, do we maintain? So I have this sense, okay, so for me, I don't think we die. And I, I, th I think a lot of this experience we have in waking life has a lot to do with the greater dreaming that's going on. Like maybe the earth dreaming, the Sophia uh -huh. stuff rings true to me. Um, or if you're scanning, you know, the Danu stuff. Um, so, and I think it's, a, for me, it's a zero point game. Birth and death are the same point. So people have taken the circle and they've made it, they've, they've made a line out of it. And here's this point, here's that point. But birth and death seem very much the same to me, very much the same process. They both require massive amounts of energy to happen. And, um, and both are pushing through a membrane of some sort. And so they're like, it's really circled. It's at the same point. And, and it's just the way I've always thought about it. It makes sense to me. It feels right. It, it ties in with the way I, I, I walk my life and my, which includes my dream experience. So, but at the same time, people die and I don't have access to them, as you know, right? We have dreams and memories to access them and, um, and, you know, and, and, and remembrances and all that, but there's definitely like, you can't call your mama, right? You um, kind of, you kind of can. <laughs> well, you can, but you know, I'm talking about yeah, physically. Yeah. I can't, I yeah, can't yeah. go and right. give my mom a hug in person, yeah. like in this experience. Right. Um, but I do know that she's, I do know from that relationship, it's evolved and I, ha I still have her. Right. right. Um, so that's why I feel there's no death, but the process of dying is very significant, like the process of birthing. And um, so I'm just wondering on just your general thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think of, I think of death and I could see what you're saying about pushing through the membrane makes a lot of sense with both birth and death, but I, I feel like they're really different. I've given birth twice and that, I mean, I don't know. There's the, I think I see the similarities though, but maybe the perspective <clears throat> shift, like being, I don't know. It's really interesting to think about what, okay. So another thing with both of them that they have in common though, is like this human experience that is like unbelievably uh part of our like earthly life you know so there's just like the grief of losing somebody really close i always like to think that we're very evolved to do that because we are you know it's not we don't have to be taught even in some ways there's it's in us so i could see some similarities there i i guess i think about them really differently i don't know why but in my experience with them so yeah i don't know how to answer the question really uh, I don't, I don't ponder it a whole lot in that way. I surround myself with it in certain ways. I, I like the mystery uh, aspect of it because, and I also like that I can't find words for it, you know, because it's. I, I like that too. I, um, I, it is the veil and we don't see through it until we do. Until it's absolutely. Lifted. Right. It, it it strikes me though it does strike me like 
so this may sound funny, but I don't know where I stand in reincarnation. And, um, and so, and yet I believe we are eternal. And remember, I wasn't raised Christian or anything, so I don't have any of that, right. bag, that baggage, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, but I have a sense that we are actually immortal in, in this way, energetically. You can't, where does the energy go somewhere? And the amount of energy it takes to die, having been around people that died real close, been in its presence, Right. Many times. It's um it's significant. It's intense. It's really intense. Oh, yeah. And um so there's there's something that happens. I mean, it's like I said this I think on the last show. It's like a supernova. And um so yeah, so I'm just always grasping. I have another question though that I want to ask before I, I give you to the chat. Um water deep water and things in the deep water in even this doesn't even have to include dreaming dreaming is good though but do you what's you know what are your thoughts on things in the deep water so water fay um water beings the deep depths that we don't know about well growing up on the lakes I, I definitely feel a lot of supernatural stuff around lakes in particular because and creeks, but lakes like the spirits of you know of the lakes like I really resonate with that. Um, water's really dangerous. Deep water's really really dangerous. It's not a place that we should go, right? I mean, like physically. So there's something. It's so interesting that it's so intriguing to many, not to me. I don't want to go deep <laughs> in the water ever. Uh, oh, I don't me like either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Like on on oh, I like I I can be on boats as long as I can see the shore. If I can't see the shore, forget it. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. But yeah, it's it's extremely mysterious. You know, it's another world. It's another world that we don't belong in. Similar to like deep into caves. I'm not really into going into the earth into caves, <laughs> not very far. It's just like <laughs> forget it. The oceans are the least explored. We we've explored more space than the oceans. Wow. Allegedly. Really? Allegedly. That, yeah, it's very inhospitable to life for, for humans' yeah. life. For and, human and life. Humans have never been below eight, I believe it's eight kilometers down. We, we can't get down any further. We can't drill. Right. It's too hot. So. There are mysteries there. There are I'll mysteries. For, yeah. Well, that turtle, man. It's a turtle. <laughs> when I was in uh, grade school, you know, we took like a field trip. And this was in Illinois. I had a brief. I lived in Illinois for Brookfield Zoo two months or two years for 200 yeah crazy years but no we we went to this like uh factory that mined mica and we went way down in the earth to see the mica and the um it was so scary i'll never forget we went way down we took this big elevator down into the earth we walked around these caverns with like the glimmering walls it was so crazy. I was like, you know, we do not belong here. Yeah, it was that's... such a visceral feeling of like survival, really, right? Yeah, right. It's like a, I'm the same way. I cannot go in caves like that. I see people uh -oh. doing spelunking. I have nightmares about being trapped in those kind of situations and underwater <laughs> totally. too. Totally. Like deep underwater yeah. has really always bothered me. Yeah. As well, so it's interesting. Yeah. yeah same here. 
caving, like just any enclosed space. Now, I like to sleep in enclosed spaces with the idea of not being able to actually move much or creeping through is, oh my goodness. I'm the same. Yeah, I don't get claustrophobic generally, but like when it's actually <laughs> like that, you know. Yeah. I'm not a worm. Um, okay, so do you have questions, Jerry? I have one question from Oswald. He asked, uh, you're from Holland, Michigan. He saw on your page and went to Evergreen State. He's also from West Michigan. He's wondering what you think of the Calvinist rules there, I think, on Evergreen Street. On, on what? The it's Calvinist a, rules what? It says the Calvinist rules there slash Evergreen Street. I don't understand the question exactly. Uh, Nor do I. So Oswald is from Holland, too? Yeah. That's awesome. Hi, Oswald. Yeah. I'm not in the chat, people. But is, it a, is it a big Calvinist area there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not, I, I wasn't exposed to, the, to that. Oh, okay. That could be That's explained funny, why you though, don't... I, I love hearing that he's from Holland. So bizarre. Right? I mean, it's such a small place. It is. Which reminds me of another question I had. Uh, while you were writing your books, did you have any interesting synchronicities in relation to the story of your book or what you were writing about? Oh, yeah. Or, or yeah, yeah. Was that, was it helpful? I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, dreaming. Uh, I mean, in particular with Plants of the Devil, which because uh, that was a bit, it wasn't so encyclopedia as under the witching tree or under the bramble arch, which under the bramble arch just was finished literally last week. So it should be out pretty soon for pre-order. But those were, those are just the, the process was really different. So yeah, there was a lot of strange synchronicities with the book, especially with Plans of the Devil as it, as it was. Very cool. So yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate the, that when that happens. Yeah I, yeah, I think everyone does. Yeah. I just, it's, everyone has, usually has it happen to them and it's just interesting to hear the different aspects of it. And document them, of course. Yeah, I don't even, I don't remember offhand, but I know that that was a big time for dreaming. Oswald left well, chat, so screw him. Oh, he did? I, um, I highly recommend that people check your books out. You're, you're amazing. I love you. Oh, and you. Um, I really, uh, you know, I wanted to, I'm so close to you. There's no reason why I can't get over there. Um, yeah, you're, the fact that you've, your books are amazing and you're in amazing company with your publisher. So I just check out her books. They're, you just won't be di- disappointed. They're so good. Um, but that's, that's all I have for this. And this is usually when we ask if you have, tell us about yeah, what's going on. Anything you want to plug? <clears throat> um, no, just the, the upcoming book will be exciting to, to see what yeah when that all comes together it should be like right around christmas time or early january when that comes up for pre-order i'm really happy that that's done it's going to be a beautiful companion volume to under the witching tree so it's 20 wild plants and under the witching tree is 20 wild trees or 20 trees so it's kind of like the wild plants are the plants of the wayside for under the bramble arch so i'm excited about that really really wanted to get that done and yeah, it's it's a really busy time, busy time for teaching and writing. So I'm, I'm you know, I feel honored and blessed to be able to do it. 
Right. Well, I put links to all your books and your website and everything in the description of the video. They're also in the show notes on our Discord server, which you're welcome to join, by the way. Cool, yeah. And <laughs> Miss Internet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just thinking that. Like, she'll never be on. Well, I have to get on email and Facebook and stuff for my work, so I do get on. Yeah, sure. but you don't, you don't want to get on and chat to people. I'm sure. What's that? You don't want to get online and chat with people. Oh, right. No. Mm. <laughs> Definitely don't. All right. Well, that's it. That's it for me. So, this was, yeah. Thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. I am, I feel honored that you took the time out. I know you're busy mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, I, I just have been wanting to have this chat with you and thank you. Thank you. Thank that's you, Corinne. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I feel really blessed and uh, definitely honored to be asked and that you guys are included me so um, i was just yeah it's been great it flew by i wish we had i can't believe it i could still be talking with you (laughs) you brought i gotta tell you that i mean you really brought some intense content here um that like i said some people don't have dreams and we just talk about the philosophy you brought really intense dream imagery and symbols to the table tonight that um you know, I took lots of notes and, and I have lots of follow up at some point. I'll bug you. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> I'll hassle you. Yeah, no, that's great. It's it's really, uh, really important. So I love being able to talk about it and share some things. And it's really cool to have folks like yourselves that are thinking about these things and asking these questions. So thank you. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the Samhain season, and yes, I definitely. hope you'll find you warm and happy and all that. And the harvest. Thank you. You, you, get, you folks as well. Right. Thank you, Corinne. Well, thank everyone who's listening. Thanks, people in chat. Be sure to tune in next week when our guest is going to be Robert Bonomo. It's going to be an early show because he lives somewhere weird like Malta. I forget where. Maybe it's France. I don't remember. He's, it's going to be oh, early. I I think it's that. like 4 or 5 o'clock. So. Uh, for your time, Jerry? Yeah, for my time. For Eastern. So check the check the show. I put it out today. Okay. And that's all I got. Have a great Goodbye, night, everyone. everyone. Take care. Good night.